Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Thriving Minds Podcast with your host, Walter Parada, where we strive to provide you with empowering talks so you can live to thrive. I hope you find yourself in the right frame of mind, focusing on the things within your control. All right, so today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us. She's a mother, entrepreneur, farmer, and a very inspiring person. My great friend, Annie Ridgely. Annie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Walter. Thanks for having me. What a privilege to be here. Yeah, super excited. I mean, uh, I know a little bit about you, but uh, so could you tell the listeners, what do you do every day? Great. Well, thanks. Yeah, uh, you you hit the nail on the head. I'm a mother first and foremost. I have four kids, ages six through 13, and I'm a farmer. So I wake up in the morning and I triage. That's what I do. I triage what needs to be done. I have an 80 acre macadamia nut farm that's commercial macadamia nuts are sold in some vertical integration of business within the business. Um, and so uh, every morning when I wake up, it's trying to decide the best use of my time. Gotcha. Yeah, you must be pulled in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. um, what did you anticipate prior to uh, being a farmer and the things that kind of like threw you for a loop and how do you handle that? Yeah, well, uh, before I started farming, I was commercial salmon fishing and that was in Alaska. And so the thought of farming in Hawaii seemed really cush. The climate's a lot nicer. The, the environment is, is so much kinder. Nothing is as harsh and couldn't nearly be as hard as uh, working in nature in Alaska. And so that's what I was anticipating. And, um, it, it's not like that. It's still hard. Yeah. It's definitely still hard. There's things about it that are beautiful being in paradise and wonderful and it's year round. And so farming, if it doesn't get done today, you can get it done tomorrow. And on a boat and in the water, that's not the case. It has to get done now. So, yeah, so that's that's how it's been a little bit different for me. And I've adjusted to that over the past four years. And, yeah, love it. I love every second of the life. And I love that I get to do it with my kids. So it's a lifestyle that we get to do year-round together. Yeah, that's very admirable that, you know, uh, you've included your family in your everyday life because there's, there's a tendency kind of, you know, the way society is structured where, you know, the parents work away and then the kids, they're off to school. So there's very little interaction other than in the morning, a little bit, and then the afternoon. So that's right. great to hear. Yeah. I think so, a lot of Oh, go ahead. A lot of times parents are prolonged becoming a parent. People prolong becoming parents because they want to have a certain amount of their life accomplished as if their life is going to be over once they have kids or people say, Oh, now I've had children. Oh no, my life is, I know it is over. No, I've never wanted to be like that here. Incorporate into what we're doing, incorporate in children into the life I'm living, be a part of that. Let me teach you, raise you, grow you because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, hopefully others can, can see that as a path that they can make happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So tell us, uh, how did you work your way into your position, you know, from uh, being a, a commercial fisherman to being a farmer? Because that's, uh, uh, I wouldn't say quite 
they're not complete opposites, but I mean, it's different realms, right? Yeah, it's complete. It, it's uh, there's similarities, but it, it, it's it's completely different uh, industry. And well, like you said, I worked right. I worked really hard. Nothing was ever given to me, and so I think that is one of the character traits that made it possible for me to become a farmer. Was I didn't know what I was doing when I purchased a macadamia nut farm. I knew that I wanted the lifestyle for my kids. I knew. Uh, I was I sold my commercial fishing business, but I knew that I knew how to work hard, and I knew that I was willing to learn, willing and able to learn. And with those two things, uh, I knew it was going to be okay. And I've always been the type of person, and you know this, Walter, where I don't wait till I have it all figured out before I try something. And that has been so good in my life because. If I were to sit around and wait until the timing's right or until I know everything or everything's just lined up just perfect or until there's no more fear because I've tried to control all the things, then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken any risk or have done anything. So uh, I, I say ready, shoot, aim. And I have, I have had some, uh, some consequences because of that. Uh, and, and, and some of those have been sad, like with animals that are depending on me and I don't know how to take care of them. And I've seen one die. Uh, so there's been some certain consequences, but, but for the most part, um, I have been really glad to have lived that way and have have had the encouragement to do that because if the vessel is moving, then it can be steered. But if, if there's no momentum in your life or what you're doing, then then you can never even be steered in the direction that you that you should be going and that you're of best service or best use in the world. So, yeah, I just kind of keep that momentum going forward. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, um, especially with animals, right? There's, uh, there's a big hesitancy of, I don't know how to do this. And obviously, you know, when you lose an animal, it's, it's, uh, taxing on the mind and, 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 and on the emotions. But I, I, I had a rancher tell me if you have livestock, you're going to have dead stock. That's just part of it. And, you know, um, I think we need to hear that more in life is like, listen, you're going to make mistakes. Stop trying to avoid them. You know, so that's uh very impressive that, like you said, you're not waiting to, to have all the answers, right? That that's really, um, you know, I, I wish people were were more uh, accepting of that. Well, even when I felt like I had all the answers and I graduated college with a specialist degree in teaching, it's, I went into teaching. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I had no idea what I was doing. But you know what? I did know. I knew how to meet deadlines. I knew how to get information. I had some confidence in myself because I had a degree. But I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, well, and uh, look how much not knowing how to do things and, like you said, how to learn and where you position yourself. You know, there's a lot of people that are too afraid to step outside of their comfort zone and then they're, they feel stuck, you know. Oh, um, it's too late for me. Uh, so that that's very admirable. So tell us. What traits helped you most on your path? Hmm. Well, that's a really good question. I think one of the greatest things that was passed down to me from my father, who's an entrepreneur, is never give up. 
so it doesn't matter. Um, you know, just never quit, <laughs> never give up, right? Keep uh, uh, just, yeah, that, that continuous movement forward. I love that Martin Luther King Jr. quote that talks about if you can't fly, because, you know, we all want to be soaring, but if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. And I have been given that determination and that trait has been forged through a lot of trial in my life. And it could be um, stubborn, <laughs> stubbornness and, and, and molded correctly. It's been um, a lot of grit and I've learned it through, through trial. So if you find yourself going through hard times, there is no doubt in my mind that that's going to be used later in life for something good. And so whenever I find myself, when I, you know, as the owner, operator, manager of a farm in Hawaii and a business owner, every single part of my life, all, especially the bad, has culminated to this point where I have these character traits to be able to be successful at what I do. Yeah. I like how you mentioned stubbornness, you know, because I remember growing up that was seen as a bad thing. And it seems like it was an asset for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's just make the synonym determination. I think about that too. When I hear somebody say to one of my oldest children, oh, you're so bossy. I think, oh, or actually is that leadership, right? It, it just, it, it, semantics is super important and how we view those character traits. Well, I didn't do well. I was definitely thinking outside of the box. I had a really short attention span. I got bored easily, you know, ADHD. Uh, but in a context of business, thinking out of the box is really a great skill to have. And being able to move from one task to the next very rapidly in my mind and and not tire so easily has been has been a strength. So I think it's really important that we that we use terms for character traits that are not negative. Yeah, that's so refreshing to hear. Uh, stubbornness is determination, right? Uh, who's been most influential in your life, and how have they affected you? Yeah, well, that's definitely been my dad. He's been an entrepreneur and business owner his whole life, right? And so. He has taken the time to always teach me little bits and pieces about business, uh, always been available to answer questions, but mostly just encouraging me to never give up. And the other thing that has been a huge takeaway in my life is he, he's always said, hey, you know what? That could be a really big risk. That could be a really big fail, that business, that new business that you're deciding because I've had numerous ones over the years. Um, but you're, but you're never, you're, you're, you're too young that you're, you'll recover from it. If you do fail, you will recover. It's not like you're 65 and on the edge of retirement and you've had this big nest egg and in doing so you're going to be risking it all. You're, you're in your thirties, you're in your twenties, you're in your forties. If you fail, which most businesses, business owners will at different times. And I have, you will recover from that. It's, it's so important to hear, you know, the the downsides of it. Um, I, I can remember about a year ago, there was a, a very successful entrepreneur 
and he continuously emphasized it's going to be hard, 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 hard. And I cannot emphasize how hard it is. And I don't know that that for me, that felt really uh, at e it put me at ease, you know, like it's not going to be like, you know, Walter, just uh, things are going smoothly. So it's it's good to hear your side as well um, to, you know, we will have fails. Right. That's just a part of it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I had a business owner recently tell me when I started my skincare line, he said, well, what it's going to be like is it's going to be like pushing a boulder uphill for five years. And then after that five year mark, if you make it till then, which most people don't have the determination and tenacity to make it until then, if you do, you'll be chasing that boulder down for the rest of your life. So yeah, building a business is a lot like that. Yeah. That's why any entrepreneurs in the world? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but could you share some of the specific adversities that you faced and how did you overcome it? Different adversities in my life or different adversities in business? Uh, both. Or uh, let's either one. Okay. Um, yeah. Why? Well, I, I Like I said, I wasn't very... Uh, I didn't fit into the mold of education well at all when I was younger. So I uh, went to a couple different alternative schools, um, was expelled from a few, uh, you, know, you name it. But what I but what I did do was I got my GED at 15. So that's the high school equivalent and started college. So I started at a community college and I was able to choose what I wanted to learn. And that made all the difference. So instead of someone saying, here's what you're gonna learn for science at 15, I was able to look at all the different community college classes and all the different science requirements that would, would count for me. And I could choose astronomy or whatever I was interested in. And so, um, having the freedom to to guide my education worked for me so i later transferred to a university and graduated summa cum laude at the top of my class valedictorian and it, so i love that story um a couple different for a couple different reasons but one of them is because there's no right way for someone to be successful society says high school diploma uh, X, Y, C, this is the path to success. And if you're off it, you're failing. And, and that's not the case. The, the other reason I love it is because it wasn't like I didn't, um, I couldn't learn and, and I didn't want to, uh, the, the structure in which the public school system had set up was failing me. And I think that we see kids in the school system failing and we think, what's wrong with them? And how can we fix them instead of looking at the structure that we have set up already? The other thing I really like about um, the adversity there is, um, well, I'll just, I'll just end with that. <laughs> no, 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 this is, <laughs> this is really good. You know, especially I can remember when I was younger, um, you know, we all have that inner voice, that self-talk that some would call it intuition, right? Like, hey, something's off. And I remember, you know, when I was in school, I was like, I don't know, this seems off to me. I don't think something's wrong with me. I think something is wrong with 
something more than me, you know, because it, it wasn't fitting my needs. And if we look at, you know, the, the cone of learning at the very top, 10% of what we read, we retain. So, I mean, is it a 90% miss rate in the school system? Is, is yeah. that what, <laughs> right? That's very inefficient. Right. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So no, I'm, I'm glad to hear. Um, that seems like a, a very insightful way of experiencing adversity, you know, because you saw how you can tailor make that to your advantage, right? Right. And I think it, I think it's important that we know ourselves. And that's what I love about thriving minds, Walter, is it's this process of getting to know who we are so that we can make decisions for us that's best so we can thrive in life. Right. And, and that is so imperative for everybody. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's been helpful in my life to go through Thriving Minds. It's been helpful in my children's lives. Just understanding who we are and helps us know where and how to get to where we're going. Yeah, you know, and that's I'm, I'm so glad that you understand the mission of Thriving Minds because it's helped me too, right? I would say like prior to this, it was more of like, Walter, you're outputting all your work is for output for others, whether it was a job, whether it was a degree, whether it's for family and friends. Mm -hmm. And then it was almost like I was neglecting myself, right? Hey, I don't even know what motivates me, what inspires me, what's my purpose in life other until recently, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad to see that you and your kids understand the importance of like really understanding ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, I always feel like if I was going to share one thing to my younger self or to the, to my children, it's to be true to yourself. And, and we, we don't intrinsically just know how to do that. Right. Especially at a young age, right. We're really impression, impressionable. Our peers, they influence a lot of how we behave, what, what we do. And so, yeah, that's really important. So I, I wanted to ask, you know, you've been in an industry and still are that's male dominating in commercial fishing and farming. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? Oh, yeah. So that has not been easy. Uh, when I was commercial fishing, I would bake cookies and uh -huh. bring some of the uh, the salty old time fishermen and just spend time with them. And there were certain skills that I picked up that became admirable, um, you know, earning some respect, uh, not necessarily trying to prove myself, but being able to earn a little respect from the, from the male dominated industry. But mostly, let me tell you what I did. I sought out that one other woman that was also in the industry. So it's, it's a powerful thing to know that we're not alone. And the temptation is to think, oh, we're unique, we're different, and to feel somewhat of a victim there. But uh, there's always been a brave soul that has forged the path before us, there's always been somebody ahead of us that we can, that can inspire us. 
Uh, there's always somebody also, if you look hard enough, that has some similarities to the same adversity that you're facing that's doing it too. So yeah, one of my one of the greatest things I've learned in life is is to 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 ask for help and to know that I'm not alone. And so with commercial fishing, I sought out there was a woman named Sira, and she was probably in her 80s, and she had been commercial fishing as a woman in the industry. Yeah, so I sought out an 80-year-old woman, her name's Sarah, and she had been commercial fishing in the industry uh, as, as a woman by herself. And so there was an urban legend where she was in labor. She drove herself 10 miles across rough seas to the hospital, had the baby, drove 10 miles back, checked herself out of the hospital, drove 10 miles back in rough seas. Anyway, so I sought her out and I had coffee with her and just knowing that I wasn't alone in what I was doing uh, as a woman made it easier. And I think that that's a big takeaway. And even with farming, um, I sought out uh, camaraderie in, in the industry and and knew then I wasn't alone. So it didn't matter what my gender was, right? As long as I had um, that support network in place, then I wouldn't fall victim to uh, self-pity or, oh, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm doing this all by myself and woe is me and I'm a woman in ag. Because that, that, that would get me nowhere, right? And so then later elected as the, the president of the Macadamia Association in leadership. And so, yeah, I think, I, think the, I think the important thing is to set up those support networks, even if it's just one person. And, and not to look at gender. I've never, I've never looked at gender with myself and what I'm doing. But uh, I, I also do seek out other women who inspire me and who are leaders. And, and we can uplift each other and make each other grow. Was there any words of advice that Sarah really left you with that you still use today? No, not nothing, but I do want to tell you something that I always think she she was very quiet, but I would say, well, she, it was actually Sarah, and, and I'd say, Sarah, how, how would you like your coffee? Because I just wanted to sit down with coffee with her and, and pick her brain and talk to her about everything. And and she'd say, with just the cup around it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in your previous work and now that – you're working now, you've held leadership roles. What does leadership mean to you? Okay. Leadership means to me responsibility. Mm. Yeah. I, I am responsible to make the decisions and I'm responsible for the outcomes of the decisions I make. And I'm responsible for all everything to get done. And I'm responsible for everybody operating at their best and putting people in optimal positions, eating. So there's, there's a lot of responsibility there. It seems like uh, most people don't know the difference between being a boss and being a leader because leadership isn't just giving out commands. It's really leading people. How can you, how can you bring out the best in them? How can I serve you instead of you serving me for my purpose. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How can, how can I help you be the best version of you? And it benefits all of us to then go in this direction. And I think I, I love how you serve you. I think being a good leader means you're being a good servant. Because when I'm willing to do whatever I can, well, if that means take out the trash or I'm in these full lines for three days and covered in diesel, I can hear you great. So, so tell us, uh, what's been the most fulfilling part in your path in, in the journey that you've taken? I think the most fulfilling to overcome challenges that always is really fulfilling uh, to get to the other side of difficulties and and then and then creating a life that that I love that I don't that I don't want to escape from that I'm not planning a vacation away from that I'm uh, which which is okay to do but that I'm not just putting in my time but creating a life that I love which doesn't mean avoid challenges and hardships and difficulty and I'm quitting every day, but um, but that that I've I've created this life where it's a series of yes I want this yes I want this yes I want this and and then next thing you know um, I'm living the life of my wildest dreams. Well, you've set yourself up where you have the freedom to do what you want but like you said you meet deadlines that need to be met right mm -hmm. so what do you most enjoy about your current work right now yeah well i love being outside so i've always loved being in nature i love living in a rural community i love the small town community where i live i love being on 80 acres of farmland I love being working with my kids uh, I mean they're not working but uh, we're able to do things together I love freedom to uh, create so in business to be able to uh, create new products uh, new ways of doing things to innovate ways that might be easier save money better for other people uh, I just love that whole process so uh, can you dive a little bit into uh, the product that that you make? Because you have a very impressive, sustainable initiative. Yeah, well, when uh, we were looking into doing some vertical integration with macadamia nuts, there was nobody uh, that was cold pressing macadamia nuts into oil. Macadamia nuts have very high oil content, but people will heat it at really high temperatures, bleach it, deodorize it, and then press it into an oil that really is no different than like a vegetable oil at that point, like a processed canola oil, right? And so what yeah. I wanted to do was to create a cold pressed oil. And so I've done that. Yeah, we cold press macadamia nut oil and we use it in skin skincare products. And so we have a whole line of different products, hair, skin, body, um, face products for, uh, for, yeah, for optimal health of the skin, nutrition, hydration. It's a really supreme oil uh, for, for the health of the skin. And, and, and tell us, how many ingredients are in your product? Well, yeah, one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, because... 
Yeah, as I started when making the oil and I was looking into different face products, if you look on the ingredient list, there's 27, 52 ingredients and all of them, you know, are, you can't pronounce their names of, of most of them. And there might be 4% of the oil, the active, you know, ingredient of the oil actually in the product. And I thought, well, oh, that would be great because I could make more money if I cut it down with these other ingredients. And so I did, I looked into doing that and they're all cancer causing in the state of California. And there's just no way that I was going to feel good about creating a pure, natural, high quality product and then putting a bunch of chemicals in there. Mm. And so I sell the oil in a face bottle and a body oil spray as a pure product, just one ingredient. Wow. Not many people or companies can say that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, what, with the shampoos and the soaps, there's, of course, have to be other ingredients in there to create those products. But as you know, too, uh, macadamia nuts are really sustainable. It doesn't require any irrigation. So as a nut as a whole, it's a very sustainable product to make something from. And it's um, we just don't have any plastic in our packaging. And we try to stay as sustainable on our farm as we can. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, admirable, the, uh, how you farm. Mm. So so tell us, uh, what what habits do you have that, that help you today? Okay, <clears throat> my habits. Well, I believe that your habits will determine your reality, right? Because we can yeah. sit around all day and say, oh, I want to do this and wouldn't this be lovely and we can dream and we can, we can create in our minds. But unless we actually put one foot in front of the other, then we're never going to accomplish anything. So one of the great things I think that's come out of motherhood is the willingness to do what I don't want to do. Mm. Right? Who wants to change the diaper or get up in the middle of the night? Nobody. I don't want to do that. But you do it anyway, right? Yeah. And, and I have so many habits that I've developed of doing it anyway because it, that's, what I, that's, that's good for me. And I, I journal first thing in the morning. I always exercise. I try to incorporate one thing every day for my mental health, my spiritual health, my physical health. So those are absolutes. Those are non-negotiables. Those have to happen mm -hmm. in my life. And then I time block. And I think that helps me stay focused with, here's the time that I work on marketing this product. Here's the time that I take. And I take my best time in the morning to spend with my family. There were times where I used that, um, but I, I think you can tell internally what your most productive time of the day is. So I've, I've blocked that for my children. So my children have my best time. And then, and then I have work time. I have um, phone call time. And, and that's just really helped me stay disciplined because I think by nature or without habits, we are just not disciplined people. Yeah. Some would say that, I mean, you got to define what your success is, but successful people do what unsuccessful people 
are not willing to do. Right. So uh, you you talked a little bit about this, but what's been your favorite failures? Oh, I have this really great failure where I took a risk in business and it didn't go well, but I learned from it. So I created a an, uh, a juice bar mm. in, in an Alaskan town because there was high traffic travelers out of cruise ships and um, and so I wanted to have a juice bar so people could get rapid, easy, incredible nutrition on the go. And, and getting fresh fruits and vegetables to Alaska was really expensive and, and not effective. And uh, it, it, anyway, it was a big fat fail. It was a big fat fail. Uh, I got to drink a lot of great juice that, that year. Um, but what I learned from that was to, to uh, as much as I want to do something or feel like I would love to do something, it still needs to be uh, combined with like a feasibility study. Or, or a mm. lot of times I have really great ideas and maybe I need to bounce them off some people uh, before, it, you know, it, I actually practically start moving in that direction yeah yeah and uh, how do you i mean obviously you know self-doubt creeps in and and maybe even self-pity how do you manage that to you know rebound from it oh because of the failures that i've had or be or if i'm just trying to try something new and i get um, those yeah just the failures in general Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think I wrestle with the fear of failure every day, Walter. Mm. I mean that, and I wrestle with, um, wanting to have self-pity every day. I think that it just takes that, um, disciplining the mind, right. And being aware of what you're thinking. One of the greatest activities I ever did was write down everything I was thinking. And when I first did it, I thought, Oh, I got nothing. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just, you know, this is what I do. I, then I work and then I do this and then I do that. And then I started thinking about what I was thinking about. And it was incredible. The amount of self-criticism and, and doubt and fear that was in there and just starting to replace those thoughts. And, um, and so being aware of that, catching it, catching it sooner when that does happen and, and yeah, I mean, I, I have, I have fear every day that I need to, that I need to work on, but journaling has really helped me with that, getting my fears down on paper and having solutions for those fears or being able to see some of those fears. They're not really that big of a deal anymore, but if they're ruminating around in my head, boy, they seem like really big, scary monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you talk about uh, fear of failure and self-pity and that's something you struggle with every day i mean i know for sure lately I, i've been going through that too and i i when i journal walter you sound like a little punk you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right when you reflect on it right it's like a mirror of your thoughts yeah. Oh. yeah yes oh yeah so you know let's pivot away from that and what achievements have been most disappointing? Mm, okay, I was I was thinking about getting into that earlier when I talked about graduating from the top of my class and at my university. That was a that was a disappointing 
achievement to me looking back because there was a lot of stress, undue stress that I put on myself to kind of prove that I was capable of doing that. When, you know, if I would have just gotten C's and credit for my classes, I would have still gotten the college degree, right? Yeah. And so I had this level of perfection that I put on myself and, um, and that wasn't, that wasn't necessary. And so, yeah, I wish I would have enjoyed myself a little bit more, enjoyed mm -hmm. the process. Um, and, and, and the big takeaway is things don't have to be perfect. Life is messy. My business is messy at times. Um, my farm, if you came to it today, you'd say, whoa, it's messy, right? It doesn't have to be perfect, but I am really enjoying the process. Enjoy, enjoying life, enjoying living, enjoying what I'm doing. And, and so to have uh, these really great accomplishments, looking back, mm, kind of disappointing to me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there's uh, uh, the head football coach, Sean Payton of the Denver Broncos. He said after they won the Super Bowl back, I think it was in 2009, it was a big letdown. He's like, now what? And oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, cons I consistently hear this from high achievers that that have a bigger purpose than just what they're aiming for. But it, it, it you know, the the fulfillment comes from the journey, the process, you know, yeah. the, sometimes you got to experience that big downturn um, to to like, you know, set yourself up for enjoying the simple things. Yeah, I, I trained for a full distance Ironman for five years. And I remember coming across the finish line, you are an Ironman, right? Everything I had worked for like 20 hour weeks of training for five years. And I was super disappointed. Yeah, it, it was like, oh, it's over. And I had a medal, right? And, and I didn't even want it. It was so disappointing that it was over. That was it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And what well, am I going to do with myself now? And, um, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I know I had put a lot of things on hold to accomplish that goal and, and it was not satisfying. Wow. So when you were training for all that, did, were you aware that you were enjoying it or was it all about the goal? It was all about the goal. Oh, wow. That, that is really impactful to hear, you know, like, yeah, that's I don't incredible. Think I, enjoyed it. I don't think I was enjoying swimming in the cold Alaskan ocean, you know, for two miles at a time or no, I, I don't, I don't know. I think I was enjoying the thought of that. I was getting closer to my goal, but that's it. I wasn't enjoying the, pounding the pavement and swimming long distances. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it seems like that helped you gain better perspective, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 also the perspective of don't put things on your life on hold because then there'll be another goal or another thing to accomplish or something else. And and then and then you will and then you'll look back and say, "Oh, well, all these friendships and relationships and all these things I put on hold to, to get this medal, it seems so insignificant that I did that. So, 
Yeah. Wow. Yes. Enjoying the journey. Yep. Is more important. Yeah. So tell us, uh, what's your standard in life? How do you live your life? Well, I have, well, definitely to keep your standards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to lower my standards for anybody or anything. I'm not going to abandon myself for you or me or anybody anymore. And I only go with my yeses. If it's a maybe, mm -mm, it's a no. Um, you know, unless it's a hell yes, this is a yes for me, then it's a no. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Wow. Yeah. It, um, it seems like most people don't take the time to know what their standard is in life. Oh, absolutely. And, and what are their yeses? What, 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 what would be a incredible yes for you today? And when I was first asked that question, I drew, I drew myself in the middle of a paper and then I drew a circle around myself and the yeses would go in the circle with myself. The maybes were all on the line and everything else was outside of that circle, meaning it's not meant to be in my life. Mm. And so maybes, maybe with permission, you know, right? Maybe. Yeah. And certain situations or circumstances, but everything else is a no. And I, I didn't know what my yeses were. I didn't know. So yeah, I think, I think developing a standard of living Mm. And, and also I'm not requiring you to have, I'm not going to hold you to the standard that I hold for myself, Walter, that would be judgment. But what I am able to say is because of the standards and values that I have in my life, here's my yeses and everything outside of that is not in my, not in my life. Yeah. So what are some of your yeses? <laughs> well, uh, farming. Is it has been a big yes for me. Uh, a yes has been a career that in, that I can do with my children because I am a single mom and and have loved raising and being with my kids. That's a that's an absolute yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. One of the yeses that I get the impression of is I need to have the right information, and mm -hmm. and uh, you take action with that information. You don't just okay, yeah, it's good to know. But like when you ask, it's with the intent of like, I'm going to put this into practice. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. That, I that, <laughs> yeah. What, what good is a book if it's just on the shelf and you haven't read it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I always say, yeah, if somebody, if information is available for somebody and they don't take it and use it, then they're no better off than somebody that's illiterate. Yeah, that's, Powerful words there. So tell us, uh, what advice would you like to leave us with today? Oh, boy. Advice that I have. Well, Walter, I always look to you for advice. <laughs> so this is backwards. But I will say, uh, yeah, be true to yourself. Figure out who you are. And every decision that you make, be true to yourself. And never give up. Yeah, because um, that's just very good to hear because most of the time we, we are looking for others to recommend what we should do. But when you know yourself, honestly, you, you'll find the answers eventually. Absolutely. 
and you'll wake up and you're living this life of your dreams and you'll wonder, how did this happen? Well, it's because you're true to yourself. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else can say what that is for you, right? Only you can. Yeah. And, um, well, and you do such a great job with your kids and like everything that you've gone through, it seems like you're really putting into practice because you're with them every day. You, you homeschool them and it, it seems like you really enjoy the process of teaching them. Right. Mm -hmm. You, you know, when, uh, push, when, uh, uh, pull back and give them their space. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's just so very admirable, uh, what you do and how you live your life, you know, and it shows in your kids. They're, they're, they're a great bunch. I mean, more impressive than most adults I've met. So what's that say? No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Annie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast for, you know, sharing your story, your story and mm -hmm. bestowing your wisdom upon us. So, um, it's been really impactful for us. So, well, yeah. thanks Walter. It's my pleasure. It's been really impactful to know you and thriving minds has changed my life and I'm so grateful for you. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. If you're interested in more topics like this, become a thriving minds member at www.thrivingminds.live. It's your personal development resource so you can build that right mindset so you can live to thrive. All right, until next time.